I'm here with uh, Zach Hill and Ryan Miller. Miller. And uh, both Wizards employees, and uh, they're here to gunsling at Grand Prix uh, Kansas City, and were kind enough to uh, give me some time right before they build their seal decks to uh, to go ahead and spell sling as the new terminology. Absolutely, yes. I don't know what gunsling is. I've never heard of it. We use spells in Magic the Gathering. There are no guns in Magic the Gathering? Yeah, exactly. Well, except for Portal 2. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we like to forget about that. <laughs> um, you guys also both just uh, competed in the Community Cup. Yeah. So so, um, what kind of time investment do you guys get to put in for that? You know, as I mean, part of your your job is to play cards or whatever. But you know, how much time do you actually get to go prep and work on on the community cup itself? Uh, it's a decent amount of time. Normally, the labor is kind of subdivided. This year, Tom Lapelli made most of the standard decks, and Max McCall, another R and D guy, is into right now, made the modern decks. Um, in terms of the amount of time we have to play test, almost none. I think I played a single game with my Dragonstorm deck before, uh, you know, going live. And I don't play a lot of Magic Online, so there are a lot of kinks to work out. It was hard for me to cast Lotus Bloom and Giga Drows. I was like, I was tapping, and I was like, okay, I want to tap his board. Somebody who knows how to play Moto, tell me to shut up and go away and cast this Giga Drows. <laughs> so, um, but, but you know, in terms of how long it took to build a deck list, I'd say we spent, you know, collectively. Several hours on it. I mean, it definitely wasn't an autopilot thing, but it's also definitely not a like, all right, guys, we're going to stop working today and min-max and figure out how to win all this. I mean, it's you know, it's a decent amount of time, but it's it's not tons. So, what is a uh, what does a typical day uh, look like for you? Uh, it's pretty sweet. Uh, I yeah. roll into the office around like ten oh five. Really hard life after spending a long time the previous night. Uh, Disciplinedly getting sleep, that's what I do. Yeah. That's, yes, I am not a debaucherous individual at all. Of course not. Why would I? Um, I roll in about 10 o'clock or whatever, check email for about 10 minutes. Um, I, we, we like to play test a lot, but it's all dependent upon how many meetings you have. Right now I'm, uh, what's up? Oh, yeah. oh man, we're rocking. I, I rock out to a cell phone text every now and then. <laughs> no, but uh, you, know, you know, it depends on how many teams you're on. But usually, we spend yeah. like a lot of the morning either like play testing a specific set or uh, you know just going to a meeting of some kind. Usually, the early afternoon, I spend like writing, sending back emails, throwing back ideas, evaluating what's going on in the FFL, evaluating the meetings. <laughs> We last left off, you were talking about a, a normal day, and I think we were talking about the afternoon now. You kind of get in oh, and start I, giving I feedback. Mean, I don't even know. Hey, Ryan, do you want to walk us Yes. Through so, I mean, yeah, I usually get in. I work, I'm the lead designer for Duel Masters, which is a Japanese card game that we do. But I also work a lot on Magic. And a lot of times, what's awesome about working there is that you'll be doing whatever in the morning, and someone like Max or Zach will be like, hey, anyone want to play test M13 Seals? <laughs> like, okay. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, next thing you know, you're uh, shuffling a bunch of stickered cards cards or whatever and uh, that's a lot of fun but it's, it's a lot of meetings we talk a lot I think a lot of you know working in R&D is the ability to argue amicably yes like you know yes. there's a lot of like we're very passionate we love our game and we love working on it but that also leads to some spirited conversations and, and to work there you have to understand that it's not personal like you'll yell at each other and then at 12 o'clock colors Croftwork. Oh, that's Croftwork. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Croftwork. Yellow, actually. Oh, is that yellow? God damn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yellow. One second is a great album. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, yeah. So and then at lunch, you'll uh, you'll all just go to lunch, just like whatever, you know. And yeah, it's, yeah, like, exactly. You see people, and even in our, the other parts of the company, just don't quite get that aspect of our culture in R&D because it's really our job. Like half our job is to shoot down ideas for yeah. other people. Like it's right. a really, but that means every idea we try, like it's really like you got to defend it. You got to yeah, because it's an important game to us. It's an important game to our players, and, and so we make sure that you know. Yeah. To me, that's definitely the most rewarding thing about working in R&D is the tremendous passion that everybody oh, yeah. exhibits. I mean, you know, no very, no card that has been really seriously, not a single card really since I've been there, has not had heated debate about its inclusion. <laughs> I mean, stuff that you, like, no one cares about. Like, you know, Enchanted Creature gets minus one plus one. There was a meeting where we actively discussed that card at length, even though no one possibly <laughs> cares about it on the actual Seriously. planet Earth. And I think that's the most rewarding part about it is just that, you know, everyone really does care so much about every little decision. I mean, it's it's not like any other place I've ever worked. So let me let me talk about a hot topic then. Sure. Uh, I know you can't tell me whether anything is getting banned or not. Yes. But we know from Aaron Forsyth's tweets that the decision has been made. Yes. And obviously this is something that you guys care deeply about. So oh, can you tell me internally kind of what your, your feelings are on the possibility of having to ban cards, you know, regardless of whether, you know, it's happened yeah, not, or not. But not about this one in specific, but yeah. uh, cards more generally. Well, you know, I mean, banning a card is a dangerous thing. You know, it's... Uh, it has a ton of implications. And the thing about a ban is that, uh, you know, at higher levels of gameplay or whatever, a deck might be dominating a tournament. But if that doesn't percolate down, you know, then there are some people who theoretically are not as affected by it. Yeah. A ban affects everybody. You know, if you've built a deck that you think is super sweet and it has, you know, Memory Jar and Pouncing Jaguar and Cradle Guard and Ranker and Giant Growth in it or whatever, and you like Jar to top out your curve and then draw a handful of giant gross and cast them, sorry, you can't play that deck. Yeah. You know, nothing about it's broken, nothing about it is dangerous. So, you know, because of that, we take a bit, you know, the act of banning cards really seriously because it affects every Magic player that's playing in events. At the same time, you know, I mean, it's, it's really important to maintain the health of environments. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the reason we have high-level tournaments is largely because those events produce deck lists and produce experiences that do trickle down to everybody. And if those experiences are bad, then it does end up hurting the entire Magic community. So we're, we're sort of having to weigh, you know, what the effect of something that directly affects everybody is versus the effect of something that indirectly affects everybody and continues to harm all of Magic the more uh, that it's allowed to sort of fester, I guess. So that's yeah. kind of the thought process involved. And there's definitely like that, we talked about that kind of spirited debate stuff, and it was definitely, the, yeah, it was, it's not an easy decision. <laughs> we, we, you know, contrary to many internet uh, sources, we actually love our players, we love our games. <laughs> we, we, no, yeah, right? And, a dirty, rotten And, lie. you know, personally, I owe my livelihood to my players, and that to right. me means that I owe them the best experience I could possibly give them, and so it's a tough. It's always a tough call. I mean, I was I've been playing since Unlimited, and you know, I, it, bannings hurt, and so it, it was. You know, the decision was uh, not made lightly. That's for sure. 
So, and and how we kind of get into a state where cards get to the point where we might need to ban them is because you guys are pushing the edge. What's the importance of of pushing that edge to to the danger line? Uh, there's a lot of different opinions in R&D about this. Um, some people feel very much that, like, you've got to push the line at some point because you have to make appealing cards. People like cards that are better, you know, or not, not necessarily better in terms of a spiky perspective, but that seem more powerful, that get you excited about yeah. buying them. So, you know, if, if you never push the line, then, you know, what, what incentive do people have to buy magic cards? It's just more of the same stuff. There's not a lot of stuff to get excited about. Uh, other people in R&D tend to be more conservative and think that, you know, what people actually want is not necessarily a single card, but they want an environment that they can do something that they feel is fun in. And that may not be, you know, a single oppressive card or a single really powerful card, but rather, like, you know, a deck that they can build. They want to be sure that with that deck they can show up to a tournament or show up to a casual, you know, Thursday night of Magic and just not get crushed by something impressive. So uh, I personally tend to for fall a lot more on the conservative side. I think as long as you create an enjoyable environment, people will find the cards that appeal to them and build decks around that. Uh, other members of R&D, though, tend to you know say, no, we really need to sit down and make sure that certain cards you know, are appealing enough to get people's attention. That when you look at it in a set, you have something to be excited So, it's, again, like we've been talking about, it's a diversity of opinions, it's a diversity of passions. But there are a lot of different views on the subject, you know. And I think the other thing is it's not always... So, balance isn't a line. Right. There's not a line of, like, when it's on this line, it's balanced. When it's below this line, it's bad. And when it's above this line, it's good. Balance is a spectrum. Right, and you cannot make a set that is every card is equally balanced, and I don't think you want. You don't to do want that to do that because that yeah. that makes a really complex set that is really hard because it's hard to evaluate because every card ends up being a trade-off in that world, and so uh, part of uh, the power of cards is, as Zach said, uh, a, a, a uh, an artifact of uh, varied opinions on what we want to push or what we don't want to push. Part of it, though, is just the fact that. It balances the spectrum. Right. It, it, it's not one single value. There's no, like, zero-sum equation that says this card is balanced and this isn't. And, and, and I think the other thing, too, is that cards have to serve so many masters yep. that uh, a good card to one is a bad card to another, is a powerful card to, you know, to the spike, is a lame card to the Johnny. And, and we strive for cards that hit more than one person. But we also know that some cards are for this guy, some cards are for that gal. And, and that's just how it works. So, like, like, to explain it uh, kind of, you know. Better? <laughs> Ryan said it, not me. It's like there's a line above which a card is like quote unquote standard playable, right? You know, and we iterate a lot of games and we have a lot of talent, but, uh, you know, in terms of different oh, no. people that are good at no, their no. jobs. We have a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent. We are, we are awesome and humble. Yes. Humility is our. We are the best at virtue. humility, let me right. tell you what. But, uh, but, but, you know, at the same time, the, the real world is iterating like several orders of magnitude more games than we are, right? So it's like envisioning the line of where standard playability is, we try to roll you know, a lot of cards really close to that line, but our estimation of where whether that's actually going to fall on one side of it or another is sort of a spectrum and a gradient. You know, it's not really rigid. Um, and, you know, you can deliberately
actually target a card to where you think it's going to be like definitely above the line or definitely below the line, but your confidence interval on that is is still a pretty wide margin. You know what I'm saying? So it's not as though you can sit and take a card and like Goblin. Uh, what, what was that guy? Warren Instigator. Everyone in R and D was just sure it was going to be a constructed. It. It was pushed very late. It's a really generous card. It has the potential to be super powerful, and the card just never did anything in standard. On the other hand, like Tumble Magnet kept getting just nerfed and nerfed and nerfed until <laughs> no one even thought of it as a standard playable card at all, and it's actually like kind of a staple. You know, so like sometimes we're just going to be off in our estimation, and that's okay. You know, we wouldn't want to make a game that, you know, eight different people could figure out over the course of three months inside of a building, yeah. you know? No. So it's, that's part it's of the awesomeness of Magic is the, yeah. is the discovery and the, you know, the surprises, you know, so we don't want to take that away. So there you go. There's a very long answer. <laughs> no, I think that's good because people, I think people really want to understand, you know, how things, how things operate and kind of what, what you're thinking about when you're making the cards. I mean, so you know, the people look, okay, if someone will look at Jason Mind Sculptor and they'll say, a brainstorm for free every turn, what were they thinking? You know, <laughs> you know right. so it's good to hear, you know, it's good to be refreshed. I mean, I think objectively people understand that, you know, Wizards is trying to make a good a good game. But on the other hand, they see, they'll look at individual things and they'll just go, that is insane. Well, and and you've got, the thing you've got to remember about, like, Jace specifically, too, is that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. On the other hand, when Jace came out, like, it wasn't even enough, really, to get people to even play blue decks. I mean, you know, like, Pat Chapin had that blue-white control deck at the one Pro Tour or whatever, but, like, it wasn't as though Jace came out and started dominating every tournament immediately. I mean, Jace has been out for, what, 18... How long has he been out? Like, He's getting ready to rotate. 15, That's all I know. 15 yeah, months while, or yeah. something. <laughs> and it's taken this long for him to sort of reach, uh, an, you know, a, a level of dominance that he's at now, right? So it's... There are a lot of moving pieces to any metagame, right? And it yes. makes evaluating a card, you know... Evaluating a single card requires context. There was Jace in the previous environment. There's Jace in the current environment. And there's, you know, that applies to any number of cards, right? So it's not just as simple as like, oh, you know, you read the card text and you understand, oh, this card is completely bananas, or oh, this card is completely okay. You know, it's it's a very format-dependent, complex process. And again, that's the way we'd want it. If it, yeah, if it was, yeah. you know, really easy to do that, no one would want to play Magic. It'd be super boring, you know? So I'm going to ask you then, I think, I think probably my final question for you then is, what's probably the thing that you are most proud about that you've done within your job, um, you know, as it relates to, you know, Magic or even some other product or whatnot and, and how that is. So kind of, kind of gloat for a moment. Ryan, you want to start out Well, the Commander deck just came out, and I was designer for the political puppets deck, including the general and a bunch of cards in it, and that one was a lot of fun. That, that product, I know it's not totally what you want to talk about, but... Uh, it was, I have one in my backpack uh, right now. Yeah, no, I got, <laughs> I got mine. I actually have my modified political puppets deck because the original deck I designed was too mean, and so we had to make it nicer. But then, so I took it back to the mean point that it used to be. That's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> so I, I think, and there's some stuff in M13 I'm really proud of. Uh, I was on the M13 design team, and uh, it's kind of interesting when you're working on a design team because uh, designing a rare is a lot of fun, and I've designed a couple rares in M13 that I'm super 
super proud of and super excited to see the players' reaction to. But there's a few commons I did that I'm like, I, I love this guy. I love this common. And, and it's because it, in many ways it's harder to design a good common than it is oh, to design yeah. a good rare. Oh, it's so and uh, so to get one just right, at least to where, where I felt it was just right. So well, I can't talk about it, uh, what it is. I'm definitely very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you were just designing M13. Yeah. Where is that product in the development cycle? It's in development now. So we uh, have a you know big design team, and we design the set, and we iterate on it for a while, and we play test it for a bit, and then it moves to what we call development, which an- another uh, team grabs it and takes it, and and uh, well, like Zach is a lead a lead developer on M13. I was going to say, I like that set too. <laughs> basically taking my cards and, and totally, you know, changing them at will. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. If you got to be like that. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and and what are, what are you going to credit as your uh, most proud moment so far in R&D? Uh, two separate things. Uh, the first is the Deck Builders Toolkit, the very first product came out. It was the first thing I ever did at Wizards. I think it's one of the awesomest products that we've made in terms of just, like, making deck building an accessible, fun, enjoyable coherent process. Uh, I, I think one of the things that enfranchised players, and I certainly did this for years, undervalue is the ability to get new people excited about Magic the Gathering. You know, we're all, everyone at this Grand Prix, we're already there. Right? I'm already there. I can't wait to play this sealed deck. But getting new players, not just to understand how to play Magic, but to understand why Magic is fun, I mean, it's just the best feeling in the world when someone's face lights up and they really get it. So I think... Um, the Deck Builders Toolkit and Duels of the Planeswalkers. I've worked on Duels of the Planeswalkers, the first one, and the second one that just came out yesterday. And I think those products are really awesome experiences that everybody can enjoy. They're specifically great for newer players. And I think it's really hard to hit that target of, you know, enjoyable enough to play more than five times. You know, if you ever played any of the old, like, learn to play, they were just awful, right? Because it was like, eager was, cadets. I was in a bunch of those videos. Zach, you don't have. I'm right here. You're right here. I know. Like, we, I was. What in, I'm saying is that Ryan is bad at his job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so those are the things I'm probably the most proud. Of. And I do have to say, I, I've seen the deck tool, builders toolkit. I've seen a couple people open one up and wow. divide up the cards and be making some decks. Awesome. And be so excited about it. And like my son, like that is most of his collection right really? now is nice. the deck builders toolkit. Oh, that's anyway, so awesome. You know, he opened uh, two warp worlds. So I'm like, oh, I got another warp world in my collection. Let's give this to you and see if we can go ahead and make a warp world. <laughs> Deck. And so I'm awesome. really excited about it. He's like, I don't want to play those. I want to play Lightning Bolt. I want to play this. Okay, okay. Well, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Zach. Thank Ryan. Thank you very thank you. much for the time. Well, and uh, and uh, have a good time. And yeah, I'm absolutely. sure I'll be around here again. Thanks so much. Uh,